This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome to Space Waffles. I am your host, Arzu, and with me are two of my favorite people in the Star Wars fandom. I love them very, very dearly. I have Hannah. Hey, guys. And Hope. Hello. And today we are talking about the second book in the Thrawn Ascendancy series, Greater Good. I almost said Chaos Rising. Greater Good. And or- in all fairness, that whole bu- this, the whole series has very long titles, so you could have been right. It's just <laughs> when I when I have to type it in on my blog, it's three lines of titles before I can get to the end. So <laughs> it's, it's like Thrawn's so dramatic. He's like Daenerys Tar- Targaryen, <laughs> Thrawn, Greater Good, Mother of Dragons, and. <laughs> First go second, of his, second of his name. Mid captain of the Spring Hawk. Oh, keep going forever. Blue Husbando of Hope. <laughs> yes. Yes. So the reason I wanted to be here today is specifically because I can think of no two greater people to talk about Thrawn with, because you're both my my Thrawn experts. That is, that is an honor. Because I feel like a lot of mine just consists of like all caps and like incoherent like spelling and screeching. I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, yeah, like I, I'm really honored to hear that too because I'm, I'm very much a new Thrawn fan, so I'm really just starting to get deeper into it. But man, I love that blue husbando. Mm. I'm, I'm very thirsty for that man, and he's a big old blue thing of blue, uh, blue fruit punch. I like to drink. <laughs> How thirsty can we get on here? So I just <laughs> thirsty, yes. Cussing, no. <laughs> but we are this is a very thirsty podcast so this is safe for that awesome i'm here of course it's a thirsty podcast <laughs> say, this is very different from when Excellent. we were talking on my show <laughs> uh, yeah the the martian row took uh several turns none of which i am mad about <laughs> <laughs> so before we i guess dive into the book proper because we're still talking about thrawn in general i want to ask the two of you I guess we can start with Hope, how you got into the character of Thrawn and sort of, yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, I know for me, uh, like I said, I'm a new fan. I'd always heard about the Chiss and Thrawn for, for a long time, but really Star Wars Rebels was my first exposure to the character, like my first real exposure. And um, I I hang out with um, a group of lovely bees that we call uh, 221 Beacon, which is a Sherlock Holmes and very queer, very gay convention. And it's a very meta convention. So I was kind of hanging out with a lot of Sherlockians and my best friend, Megan, she's a huge Sherlockian. And uh, I've been trying to get her to get into Star Wars animation for a while. So finally I was like, I can just I, I know like the animation side of Star Wars is not your thing, but like is this character kind of like a Sherlockian take? And she read twenty seventeen Thrawn and watched Rebels and she was like, Oh my god, yes. And after ten years of me trying to get her into animation, she finally watched it and now she loves it. But uh since then I kind of was able to deep dive and I kinda like looking at the character, like who are his Watsons, um <laughs> who are his Andersons to like talk in like Sherlock terms and stuff. But I also just, I, I, I like him a lot. I think he's a very interesting character. He's a very different character from the other Imperials because I love my mean girls, gripey little bitchy uh, Imperials like Krennic and Tarkin who are just like, oh, you can't sit with us. But I do like Thrawn just being like, I just want to do my job, guys. Come on. Um, so yeah, I, Rebels was my exposure. <laughs> I immediately jumped into 2017 Thrawn, which I still argue is one of the best written Star Wars books. And then my canonized trash fan fiction of Thrawn Alliances is my favorite Thrawn book. And I'll probably talk about it tonight, but uh, 
ever since Thrawn Treason, I've not been happy with the Thrawn book. So it, it's been it's been interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into this. But those first two came out swinging and really solidified my love for Thrawn and the Chiss. Well, Hannah, how about you? So I was introduced to Thrawn, I think when I was a sophomore in high school, um, I was just browsing through my library and I saw these books called Heir to the Empire. And for whatever strange reason at the time, that was exactly what nerdy little high school me wanted to read in class. Um, so I read all three of those books and was just absolutely fascinated by the character. And I'm like, this is like nothing I'd ever read before. Cause at the time we only had like the original six movies. So I'm just like, okay, he's not like Vader. He's not like the emperor. Like this is something completely different. And I felt like he was one of the few like true challenges that the little rebellion at the time had to face. And it was just, it was just really cool to see a character like that. And then fell off the star Wars thing for a while, came back, watched the clone wars last year and to fill that giant hole in my heart that was left behind, I started Rebels because I had had some friends be like, hey, like this is really good and you really like the Star Wars animation stuff. So get into it. So I wasn't on online fandom at the time, knew nothing about it, jumped in, watched one one and two. And then season three, when Thrawn walked out, the noise, the noise that came out of my mouth, because (laughs) it was it was a surprise. I had absolutely no idea who was back in canon. All I knew is that his books were like legend now, like he didn't exist anymore. So I'm like, was not ready for that. Like the scream oh, I let wow. out. That's that's awesome. Was so- ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> and lo- like long story short, jumped right back into Thrawn, read the I was like, oh my God, there's more books. What the heck? Like I read all the twenty I read the 2017 one and then Alliances and Treason and then kind of really dove headfirst back into the character and I was like, this is just as good, if not better, than I remember from when I was in high school. And here we are now. And I'm so happy about it. <laughs> I must ask, is Eli Vanto not the best boy? I love Eli Vanto. He is best boy. Most wholesome best boy. He is. Ugh. He is wholesome, best boy, must be protected at all costs, and has been adopted into the Chiss. <laughs> this is jumping way, way ahead, but do you think we'll get any Eli in book three? <sighs> like, instead of memories, maybe we get flash forwards? Oh, that'd be interesting. I'm, yeah. I, I, the practical part of my brain says no, but the yeah. other part, the idealistic part of me, it was like, please, dear God. Practicality I, has no place here. Yeah, no, we're, we're all a bunch of dreamers, and I love it. I think it depends on when the books are set, um, especially with the reveal. Um, by, by the way, dear listeners, we're talking spoilers from the top, and I'm going to start this right now. Um, the fact that it was revealed at the end Let's that just sticks was a grisk, um, and that directly ties back into oh, the yeah. Imperial tri- uh, trio. I think we could possibly mm-hmm. get a book up. Because one of my things about this is it shouldn't be called Thrawn Ascendancy. It should just be called Ascendancy because Thrawn's barely a character in this book. And I think it would be oh, interesting to yeah. see a no uh, Ascendancy book with no Thrawn and just like Eli and Arlani and like uh, Wutro and all of them dealing with this. I think that could be a really interesting and have Eli be the point of view oh. character. Do I think that? No. <laughs> but I would like it. Yeah. I oh yeah, I kind of, the one that sells the book right yeah because half the time people are like who's Eli Vanta and I'm like oh man <laughs> let let me tell you <laughs> sit down yeah I think we're gonna see no, it I right really, up I actually kind of like the, that idea 
Sorry, I was just going to say, I think we're going to see the third book go right up to the point of his exile, and it's going to run right into 2017 Thrawn, like the beginning of that. So I think we might could see the very beginning first meeting of Eli and Thrawn. Just imagining the Twitter meltdown there, if there's like two seconds of Eli. Th- there oh, will be God, a full-on yeah. meltdown. There will be a full-on meltdown. I kind of like the idea of the third book being like whatever story Timothy Zahn's going to tell – about kind of this era of the ascendancy, but also like like you said, Arzu, like a flash forward where maybe there's a parallel story going on between like Arlani and Eli post rebels trying to fight like the Grisk and stuff. So I don't know. That'd be really interesting kind of perspective to have. Okay, so let's I guess we can just jump right in. So first impressions of the book overall. I think we all kind of landed on the same area where we didn't like the first half and then we're more into the back half, but otherwise yeah, so I had yeah, I I think we all we all landed on the same kind of thing where like that first half was like dear lord and then the back half was like I can't put this down. I stayed up way too late to finish. But I think I think overall it was a good story. I think Timothy Zahn is having the greatest time of his life finally getting all these ideas about the Chiss and the ascendancy and kind of their structure out for the first time in almost 30 years, I'm sure. Um, or however long he's been holding on to them. And I enjoy that to an, I've, I've enjoyed it to an extent, but then sometimes you get so, and I know we all had this trouble. It was like, we got lost in the names and some of the characters and the families. It's, it's a very convoluted tree. And I'm thankful for the dramatis personae. That's how I. Oh God. Yes. Cause I'm like, Mm -hmm. I had to keep going back and forth. Cause if I stopped in the middle of a chapter, I had to go back and reread said chapter. Cause I'm like, wait, who are these people? What is the relation and what is going on? So that happened on more than one occasion. So it did make for a sometimes really frustrating read, but I think overall I enjoyed kind of seeing kind of how these building blocks and puzzle pieces of the ascendancy were laid and kind of get an idea of maybe how it, how it might all come crashing down in the third book. I think for me, this book in particular, not not so much of the first one. I, I really do need to go back and read read the first Ascendancy novel because um, 2020 caught up on me in the middle of that book. It came out like right in the throes of the election. So I, I did not give that book a very fair shake. And I do want to go back and redo it again. But when it comes to this one, I think this book really showcases Zahn's strengths and weaknesses at the exact same time. And I think it is that tale of two halves. I think Zahn, and and I'm going to preface this by saying a lot of these are my personal pet peeves with Star Wars anyway, and a lot of my personal pet peeves with its writing. So a lot of these are me problems. But um, something I've really noticed recently, and it started about treason, that Timothy Zahn has no explanations of what anybody looks like. (laughs) And I started noticing it with treason when we got the (laughs) character... Yeah, we got the character of Ronan. And all we know about him is he's about Eli's age and he has a cape. So he's just a sentient cape walking around doing stuff. And we don't know anything about him. (laughs) And the reason that kind of I felt that more here is because of the fact that all these people have such like distinct, like similar names and stuff. And I will say the audiobook is a long way to kind of help out because Mark Thompson makes sure that everybody has very distinct like dialects and accents. Um, Lacfro, it has a very thick country accent, so you know exactly who he is, but not everybody gets the audiobook. So when you have like Lacfro, Lakinda, uh, Lakuni, and like Luinda all talking at the same time, I was constantly forgetting who was who because of this really 
this thing. And we have no idea what any of these characters look like other than male. And he did this in the Imperial Trio books. Like, we don't know what Keemond looks like. We don't know what um, any of the non-movie characters look like. The only reason we know what Karen and Eli look like is because of Luke Ross. Luke Ross gave us them in the comics. That's the only reason we know how, how what they look like. And so I think I would have really loved them to handle these Ascendancy books kind of like how they handled the High Republic. You know, I need a map. I don't know where anything is. Mm-hmm. And also having like character <laughs> artwork, like we know what, who what Arulani and Thrawn looks like, but we don't know what anybody else looks like. And I think that could have gone a long way of having like, this is what Simacro looks like. This is the great lesbian that Wotro looks like. And she's girlfriends with Arulani. This is a cute picture of them together. Like that would have been great. I, but I Wutro. definitely feel that too, just because, just because like, we have no idea what anybody looks like. And also we're in a corner of space that we're not usually in, which means we're dealing with a lot of species that we don't usually see, meaning I don't know what any of them look like either. Yeah. So that's why like I, I said about the last one and I maintain it for this one is this is Star Trek flavored Star Wars mm-hmm. in that I'm sort of familiar with this, but it, it doesn't feel as familiar as the rest of Star Wars does because I have no idea what anything is supposed to look like and I'm not told what anything is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree it? with you on that front, Hope. Yeah, no, I, I'm on board with that as well because Hapliff, I have no idea what this man looks like. Like, yeah, white uh, and red and shriveled. White, white, red and shriveled. Like, I'm picturing this very albino looking raisin and it's a little frightening to be honest. <laughs> I'm picturing Ben Quadraneros, like the pod racer, just shriveled. Like, that's oh what's God. in my head. Oh, what's the what? Oh, I, I can't even. I can't remember what species this is. Anyways. <laughs> I was thinking about this, like, uh, like the analogy of, like, the High Republic. You know, the High Republic is a lot of new stuff, too, uh, new characters and stuff like that. But it's so deeply anchored in Star Wars. Um, so, like, if they introduce, say, like, a brand new planet near Hut Space, we might not know anything about this planet, but we know it's near Hut Space, which means that we can imply that it's probably a dangerous area. There's probably a lot of, like, like uh, scum and villainy characters around. And so we can imply a lot about this new information because it's so deeply anchored in Star Wars. The only thing that these books are anchored in is Thrawn, and he's barely a character in this book. And Thrawn is such, like, you know, fans of him are going to be fans. But, like, Joe Schmo guy at uh, freaking, you know, seeing the movie is not going to know who he is. And if they want to introduce, this is a lot of new fans first jump into the unknown regions for the very first time. I mean, I didn't read the the first two uh, Thrawn books until after I was introduced to him. So I don't know. I just it's it's so it's a lot. I, I feel like I'm reading Lord of the Rings, but <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Sherlock. But I will say that Zahn is not Arthur Conan Doyle and he's not J.R.R. Tolkien and he's trying to be both. And he's not that he doesn't have that skill. He's. His rating feels very 80s, 90s sci-fi, which I think is another reason mm-hmm. why it reminds me of Star Trek, because mm-hmm. I was just very aware of Star Trek in the in the 90s. Like, Star Wars felt like its own thing. So mm-hmm. when I think of, like, science fiction, I think of Star Trek, and this feels like science fiction. Yeah, I agree. That, if that makes sense. No, I agree actually ties into, like, one of my notes. I'm sorry. I know I'm rambling a lot now. But... Um, because I, I think where Zahn, Zahn wants to be that Conan Doyle kind of Star Trek-y sci-fi writer, and he is, that is his roots. I don't want to say that that is his roots, but 
I find him most effective when he just lets characters do their thing. Like, for example, like when Lakinda is loses her command because she's not a blood family, that was more impactful than like 10 pages of him describing what the family is like. Because we got to show, not tell. Uh-huh, and right. he does so much telling, but when he actually shows us things, when he shows us this rancher character, Lacro, and how he relates to these government officials, that does so much more. And that is like the strength of Zahn. But I think he, the battle math is not my favorite, but I feel like that's where he feels like his strengths when really like when he writes characters like Eli Vantel, there's a reason we love him because he just lets them be. There's a a conscious and a, yeah, there's a conscience and a person and things like that. And I think, and I agree with that because pulling back, because like, like you said, like the battle stuff is like, it's sometimes very confusing. And again, I think that's where a lot of Zon feels like his strengths lie. But like in the moment, and I'm thinking back to Chaos Rising, we're going to take a step back to that. But like in that moment when Thrawn meets Thalius for the first time as a child, like that quiet moment between the two of them yeah. and like him him encouraging her, like like that's the stuff that sticks with you. That's the stuff I remember from the story or when Thrawn's teaching Shiri how to fly and like get over her thing of flying. Like it's those moments where it, I'm not going to say humanity because the Chiss are very far removed from that but in those like more human moments those human elements and connections like that really is kind of the strength of star wars are those connections and i think that applies to the books as well tell me if i'm wrong on that but i think zon's thing is he thinks he's good at one thing he is better at something else and doesn't realize it so he doesn't exploit it like he thinks he's good at the battle math stuff so he does a lot of that not realizing that he actually does very organically manage to write human connection but then he doesn't like, I know we say human chess, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. he, he manages to write these interpersonal connections so well, and he doesn't see he's doing it. It's like, I can't remember which one of you was saying it, that he had sent Thrawn and Arlani on a date and didn't realize it. He was so surprised. It. It was, he was yeah, so he surprised that, they people, were on a date. that people were so into that. <laughs> was, like, I was texting Hannah about Samacro and Thalias, and I'm like, okay, so in any other author's hands, they would be, you know, they would be dealing with this tension of there's another way. And I'm like, <laughs> I definitely think... That Zon doesn't see it. I ship this. Because uh, I Let's actually thought Thalys and Lacrim, like the little like friend that was talking beside them the whole time, I always thought they were like flirting. And yeah. Um, but that, that's kind of my thing with Thrawn, uh, with Zon. And I don't want to say, like, feel like I'm slandering him because I've met Timothy Zon. He is the nicest person. I don't want to sound like that. Like, but I, 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 I just felt so much of his writing just is not my thing. And that's an okay thing. A lot of people do like the battle math. And I get that. And that's their thing. And that's fine. So I just, I do want to throw out that, like, just because it doesn't work for us doesn't mean it doesn't work for other people. And it's cool. But, like, I know for me, it's very clear sometimes that he is a 70-year-old white male writing Star Wars, you know? When, because I, I was the one that was telling you about him not knowing about Arlani and uh, Thrawn going on a date. Like, at Dragon Con, he talked about how he didn't understand people shipping Eli and Thrawn. He just didn't get it. And when I look at stuff like the High Republic, you know, they're pushing the boundaries. We have diversity. We have queer characters. We have all this, like, cool stuff happening. When I go back to these books, they just feel so dated. You know, like, there's a lot of story beats in this. Like, the Magus felt so much like uh, the Leia and Nogri story and Heir to the Empire and Dark Force Rising. Like, it felt like those stories. And he's just kind of rehashing this. And I really started thinking about, like, Treason, the two Ascendancy books, all have the same plot. They are all essentially the same story beats with the different characters all around Thrawn. And I just, I'm wanting and ready and... I, I kind of want to see someone else write Thrawn. Now that said, 
Zahn should have definitely have a say who gets to write his character next. 100% agree that he should be the one to help with that search. But we have seen other people, right, Thrawn? Dave Filoni did that in Rebels, and it worked because Zahn had said at DragonCon he had no say in the writing of Thrawn and Rebels. They just used his original stuff, but he didn't write any of that. And it worked, and it's cool, and it's fun, and his stuff just feels so... Like a 70-year-old white man writing Star Wars. It feels like it. There's nothing daring about it. I agree. Since you since you brought up the, the Magus, I want to go back and touch on one thing that I noticed, is that he is doing a thing that I think is, is unintentional. It's something that a lot of older people do, like older white people maybe, older white men, I should say, would, would do something like this, where he makes their society a matriarchal one. Fine. But then he has it built in with the same systems we have now not considering why the systems we have here on earth in 2021 are the way they are because of patriarchal societies so it's matriarchal but the way they're sitting that thrawn observes is like meant to be like to protect their society they put young men on the outside then older men then younger women then older women or older women younger women children so it is still very much built on this sort of patriarchal structure but the society is nominally matriarchal because i'm like because this is somebody who who wants to be like oh see they're a little different from the ascendancy that's run by patriarchs which i i know is not technically restricted to to males but still it's run by patriarchs and this is different they're matriarchal but they're still constructed like a patriarchal society and i'm like this just comes from somebody who doesn't realize that every system we have in place is like that because of the patriarchal society we live in did any of that make sense yeah, yeah. I will definitely say that I think Zon does write different kinds of women very well. And I think it's because I think it's because he doesn't like kind of write romance at all that he writes these like very different and very interesting women, and especially children. He writes children really well. And there was I mm-hmm. forgot, I think it was Lakinda who said it. And there's one really great line though, I I that really stuck out to me, which was of course I did not mark it because I read it at two AM like a dummy. <laughs> But it was the line of uh, (laughs) different aliens, different methods. And she responded with, that's just another way to say that you're ignorant. And I thought that was a really cool line. So I I do think Zahn is trying to do things, but I don't think he, I I think he's just still stuck in like a little old school sci-fi that he wants to do kind of these progressive things, but he might just not know how. And I'm also assuming a lot. You know what they say about assuming. I will give credit where it's due. Like, it is very easy, especially in such a sci-fi-esque book, for him to make the entire command structure male. Most people probably would have. And I will give him credit where it's due. He didn't do that. But there, I just feel like sometimes he he just puts things into place without questioning maybe why it would be like that and that he doesn't have to do things a certain way. Can I can I ask a question to the panel? Was the 2017 yes. Thrawn book the only book where Thrawn actually had character development and the rest he's had none? Yes. Yeah. Now that I think about it, yes. <laughs> I Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a little bit in Chaos Rising just because he was younger so that gave him a little bit more room to develop into the character that we saw in 2017. But yeah, at the same time, and I don't know if it's because like we got to see inside his head and kind of get an idea of like, maybe he just had more interpersonal relationships and especially with Eli. But yeah, that's, yeah, that might be the only time. The reason that bothers me so much. Like as much as alliances is my favorite. Go on. No, I was gonna say as much as alliances, like, like you hope alliances is my is my favorite Thrawn book. But I do think that the 2017 Thrawn is the only time he really has that big development arc. 
Because I was thinking, actually, the reason that book, he actually hated writing that book. He talked about that at Dragon Con 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and Disney made him write in Thrawn's perspective. And he had never done it before. And But I think that's why that book has like so much, so, it's, it's so well done, is because we actually get to see him actively deduce. We get to see what he thinks and feels about things. But also, he has a clear character development. Like He comes into the Empire with this like idealism of just like, we're all here because we're going to work great. And then the very first like mission on the Blood Crow, his commanding officer was like, you should have let those people die and save the resources. And he's like, whoa, wait a second. Which really kind of like, made me think back like, to these hold books. on a minute yeah yeah and it made me think back to the two ascendancy books because in the last book he said something that really stuck out to me which is he he saw all beings as assets but then in this book he said mm. that all beings lives matter and those two together really felt like it was that Thrawn going into the Empire where he was like, I want to save everybody's life, but at the same time, I have to do the best that I can. And that's where th this kind of goes into like my last like kind of bad note is, is I want Thrawn to lose more. And I think that's why these last few Thrawn books are so boring to me, because we would learn more about Thrawn as a character through his losses than his wins. I can only think of three wins or three losses. One being uh, Rebels, and we're not, probably not going to get that story until the Ahsoka show. Um, one being the Battle of Bataan, where Arla where Arinda, my, my wonderful evil bitch queen, Arinda Price, um, absolutely owned him. Where she massacred 10,000 people, tricked him, made him go against his own moral compass, and got away with it. And he suffered a moral loss. And then, of course, Thras. And I have problems about Thras in this book. <laughs> I have a lot of problems with that. <laughs> <laughs> Namely, his lack of uh, involvement in or talking about him. Because, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm going, I feel like a crazy person here yeah. because I feel like I'm being punished for that I haven't read Outbound Flight yet. But the fact that they brought up Thras in the last book and brought him up twice in this book, is he coming back in book three? Because I feel I like this is a setup. I really hope so. Like, and it's been a long time, full disclosure, it's been a very, very long time since I've read Outbound Flight. But thanks to Chiss Twitter, I feel like I have never, I, I haven't missed out. They've been educating me very well. But yeah, no, I, I keep feeling like there's going to be this massive like reveal set up to something that has to do with Thras. Like I need, I need more about this. I hate these little teases. I feel like I'm just getting like poked. I'm like, hey, 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 hey. It's so and, and full disclosure on my end, purely from the few people on just Twitter that I see through through Hannah, I thought Outbound Flight was a very popular fan fiction. I did not realize it was a legend book. <laughs> I just thought it was like one of those fan fictions that every fan <laughs> has, that everybody has read. That's what I thought Outbound Flight was. So that's that. <laughs> but I'm thinking maybe on the Thrust point and on the Thrawn doesn't lose point, because we know from this book that Timothy Zahn loves him a long buildup because it took, you know, 300 pages for us to see how it was all coming together. Could it be that Thrust is going to come back in the third book and then we're also going to see Thrawn like lose hard like the What is it? The higher they go, the faster they fall, like yeah. whatever. Yeah. Could that be what what he's trying to set up and maybe just could have done it in a way that was less frustrating in, in that Thrawn doesn't lose at all? It, it could have been the epitome of this could have been an email or at least 200 pages shorter. I, I have two thoughts about that. Because for one, if Thrash does come back, then that's a very long, wonderful, slow burn. And and as a new Thrawn fan, because I knew about Outbound Flight and I've known this about this from like Chish Twitter and like my my friends who are Thrawn artists, I've known about Thrash for a while. So like I was really excited to see Thrash in canon. So if he doesn't come back next book, I'm going to be mad, especially because a Legends book 
should not have this much weight over a canon book. It, they are not supposed to be connected I, as per yes. Disney. But then if mm-hmm. the dress does yes, come yes, back, yes. that's going to be awesome. That's going to be a great slow burn. So I'm either going to be celebrating and super excited or I'm going to be mad as hell. I really hope we're not all going to be mad. I w- excited I- or mad as hell is Star Wars fandom in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can't argue with that one. Sometimes both. <laughs> The same time. Okay, so having dragged this book for half an hour, let's talk about the stuff we did like. (laughs) I, okay, Lacfro is my new hero. He is the unsung hero of the Ascendancy. I love this Chiss Cowboy. He is my favorite. Can we please? He's the only one who's got his um, crap together, for lack of a better word. Like, he's like, I see through this family stuff. I see through Hapliff. Like, let's go. Can we talk about him? Because I love him very much. I I love him so much. And God, yeah. I I think what I like so much is that um, we saw how these books are showing us like different kinds of chess. Like we've seen the artist ones, like the the teenager ones, Mm, and like now a farmer. But you could still tell he was chess because they were actually like you know, he was doing his actions and then we would get his inner monologue and he's just analyzing the crap out of the situation that just happened, which is a very just thing to do. And I, I really liked that balance of him being like this, like, I'm a farmer. Let me analyze this like a computer. Yes. I, yes. That was something I really did enjoy about the book as well. It was like how we got to see different aspects of the Chiss society because up through this point, we had only seen kind of how part of the military works and how the patriarchy or the ascendancy works to a degree. And they're all kind of like the, for lack of a better word, they're all kind of up in their ivory tower. So you really don't get a sense of what's going on in the greater part of the ascendancy, but we get Lacfro and his dude ranch Chiss farming. But then we also get um, Yopanek and Yomi, because when they're talking about mid-agers, I'm like, are they my age? Like, how old are they? And they, and they are. They're essentially my age, maybe a little bit younger. Um, but it was just, it was really fascinating. Because like you said, Hope, like, we know that they're chiss by the way they react and think to the things around them. But they do it in such a very different way from anything that we see from Thrawn or Alani, anybody in the military, really. And even away from, like, Thurfian as well. So I don't, I don't know. I really enjoyed that part of learning about Chiss Society because I'm like, mid-agers. I love this name. Like, in just the ridiculous words that Zahn comes up with, I'm still not over nut paste from okay. Chaos Rising. <laughs> Can we talk about these ridiculous words for a second? Because we have things like brass sealer teeth, which killed I'm like, it's a zipper. That is a zipper. And I feel like in Star Wars, they do use the word zipper. So we've got things like that. But then at the same time, I laughed twice. when Once when they used the term prince militaire, which is French, and then Generalissimo, which is Italian. I'm like, so Italian and French titles are fine, but zipper is a bridge too far. (laughs) There's a line in the sand and it's called zippers. (laughs) Yeah, like it's things like that. I'm like, sometimes you can just use the earth word. It's it's not going to take us out of this. Yeah, and what were we talking, what was it, the word we were trying to look up for the pencils, was it graph markers? Graph markers. I'm like, why, why wouldn't I think of this? Like color pencil is fine. I feel like I feel like pencils are a thing in Star Wars, aren't they? And maybe not. No, nobody writes. I don't even know. No, I'm just still looking for the nut paste. I'm like, that was a stroke of genius. I, I actually There's really like that about it. Though, I feel like there because... was one more that was just deeply unnecessary, but I can't remember. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying I really like that about it though, because it shows how much it's how similar it is to the bigger galaxy that we're familiar with, but it's just kind of different. 
Um, and it's, it's like, they're like two neighborhoods and like one neighbor, like both neighborhoods are kind of their own thing going on, but every once in a while, those neighborhoods would be like, Hey, let's go to that block party. And they kind of cross over and we kind of see this like with the fourth, the very little force stuff in this, but like, it is interesting to see. And, and that's something I always kind of want. Like I want to see different ways to use the force that's outside of Jedi and Sith. That's why I love the Lasat using the Ashla. That's why mm-hmm. I love the Night Sisters. So it's really fun seeing how like the Skywalkers work, seeing how um, listening to listening to the Magus describe the Beyond, knowing it's the Force and the cosmic Force. And I, I I know this is more of the Star Trek version of this, but I really like when Zahn does give us those things. Like when Thalius is like Cherry can't do that. Like Cherry can't do that, and Cherry's like, Yeah, I can. <laughs> um, and seeing how they. <laughs> I love She's so cute. She's so damn cute. <laughs> I yeah, I like when the force gets weird. I like when we see it from the perspective of such an analytical species, such as the Chiss, because they're like, what, what the heck are the magis going on about about this like spooky woo woo force stuff? <laughs> but in reality, it's like they have their own version of this with the Skywalkers, and I'm like, y'all, you think you're so much better, but in reality, you are just as lost as the rest of us with the force stuff. But I, I, yeah, I love it. I love when the force gets weird or when we see it through perspectives that are very, very different from our own. Our own understanding. Yeah, our own understanding up to this point. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. Can we talk about the the villains for uh, a minute though? Yes, please. Yeah, let's do it. Always. We love villains I, in this house. We're villain stands. We, uh, that yeah. we do. I, I actually really enjoyed getting more of um, Jixtus in this one, actually seeing him more active because in the Imperial Trio books, mm-hmm. the last two, like the Grisk were just kind of these like pew pew random fighter guys. But seeing logistics like in his like meditation room with these like fluffy chairs and he's like in this like fancy veil and everything. I got like a lot of Palpatine levels of sophistication going on. Like uh, and we saw how he's been pulling these threads even before Yiv was a thing in the last book. And he has been gathering this information. And I think that really helped with the grist in the other two books. I'm really going to look at treason and alliances very differently now because there's more threads going on than I thought. But I got I gotta give my I I love Hapleaf and Shimkith because they are two disaster queers who are just who are drinking in almost every scene they're in. <laughs> They're enjoying their apple teenies, and they got these two teenagers who just want to look at birds for a month. And he's like, I'm on a time limit. And she's like, you want to pretend to be married? He's like, ew, gross. Yeah, let's do it, I guess. Maybe we'll do it. And then they get married, and it's not for anything. And Shen Kip's like, I'm just going to leave your dead body. Bye. And takes her daughter and gets on out of there, as she should. And I just, I love them. Um, They're cold and brutal, because poor Yomi did not deserve that. But I also oh, think they're really yeah, interesting. Yeah, freaked me out. I read that scene at 1 a.m. Sorry, I could not go to sleep after it for, for at least another half hour. I it had was, to kind of, I had to watch some Game Grumps. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was such a terrifying realization to come to that he actually did that. Because I, I know we were talking about it earlier. But the fact that the threat of Jixtus was more terrifying to Haplift than like anything else. And he did such a care, I think up to that point, such a character shift where he had been very patient, very calculating, working with um, Yomi and Yopanek, that the fact that he was just like, screw it, I'm going to kill this woman and toss her body out into space just so I can speed up my timetable and get my goals done so Jixtus doesn't kill me. I think that really, again, I'm with hope. I think that really solidified kind of that thread of the grisk that up to this point we haven't seen before. 
Yeah. I just think if I didn't have to talk about this with the two of you today, I don't know that I would have kept going after that. Like the idea of a body floating in space freaks me out so much that I think like I would have, I would have just stopped reading and been like, well, that's DNF for me. But like, clearly there is a bigger plot there, but that's how badly it freaks me out. I know for me, like, I I would be really interested to see if Yopal next in the third book, because I feel like, well, for one, we don't know his reaction. We don't even know if he knows what happened to Yomi um, when the book ends. And I think that he could possibly be a very interesting character in the third book where he's really like this avid person, you know, this person who trusted these alien characters like so openly and they not only killed his betrothed, the like, you know, they killed his betrothed and they sit around and they like lied to him. I could see him going like a very extreme opposite direction of being like very closed off and like, you know, really pushing for the civil war to be like, we need to close our borders. And like Zahn, I don't think he will, but he could tell a very political story of just like, you know, we don't need the others in here. They're going to hurt the ascendancy versus people like who are more open to that, like Thrawn, who's like, no, all these beans are important. We need to like establish these things. And maybe that is the thing that kicks off this civil war. We know from the Imperial Trio uh, trilogy that Thrawn's like, yeah, my home's in a civil war right now. I got out of that. But like, um, like we know that there's a civil war and maybe Yobonex is a very vocal person of just like, we don't need these people like hurting our culture and stuff. And that could be a really heartbreaking direction to see that character go. But I think it could be a very interesting direction for that character to go. Yeah. Ooh, I didn't even thought about that. Because I, I feel like Zahn has a, does a really good job of like bringing in these characters that maybe are at first glance really don't seem all that important. But then later on, like in maybe the next book or like a couple, a little bit down the road, they become very important fulcrums or linchpins to whatever greater story he's trying to tell. So I think that that would be a really interesting one. And I now I won't be totally surprised if it happens because I could see that. One thing I was wondering, I wondered what the two of you thought, because you know, both of you, that I'm very obsessed with the High Republic. So with with the Skywalkers and the weird way that they travel through the chaos, like in a pseudo trance, and how other navigators in the area are known as pathfinders, do we think this is something left over from the Nile and their path navigation? Because like Mari goes into a weird kind of trance too. So I was just wondering what the two of you thought about that. Or am I just seeing Martian Row connections where none exist? <laughs> I mean, that's always a possibility, but don't we all, don't we all try to make things <laughs> about our favorite things? No, I actually was thinking about that too, with like the different, like just with the names, like they're so similar. And as, as much as sometimes we complain about continuity and retconning in the fandom, I think the publishing aspect of Star Wars has always been really good about weaving those threads together incredibly well. So I, I feel like there could be something there and just kind of because I actually did see that when I was reading The Light of the Jedi. I was like, oh my God, is this is this where this started? Is this is this where the Skywalkers and Pathfinders and everything happened? So no, I don't think you are totally off base on that. And honestly, I'd really like to see that connection weave, weave itself together in some way. I guess that would be a lesser evil thing, right? Because it's yeah. not like the High Republic can do it. Yeah, that would be very much a lesser evil type thing. I'm kind of torn on that um, only just because the logical part of my brain was like timelines don't mat- match up. Like the Chiss was in less, like quote unquote lesser space a thousand years before the start of everything, which would be 800 years for the High Republic. But that said, I'm wondering if it could go the opposite direction. Like maybe the Nihil went into the unknown regions and that's why they're not around anymore. Like maybe they are the beginnings of the Grisks or these other organizations and such like that. Maybe they are the Vagari pirates mm-hmm. that we don't know. 
that are left over. Um, so I I don't want to ever want to say no because I feel like no and never are very strong, uh, very strong words. But I think it's a possibility. I wouldn't be surprised because I I felt a lot of like synergy with the High Republic in this book. Um, the the Chiss really reminded me mm-hmm. a lot of the Republic in the Jedi Order. Um, just the fact that like half leaf could just so easily be like, wow, we, you're such big, strong chiss and we're so little and helpless. And chiss were like, we'll protect you because we're better than you. Can we invade your planet? And half leaf was like, yes, please, please invade our planet. And he just totally took advantage of their hubris. I mean, I, I felt a lot of those. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the Project Luminous team did touch with Zahn a little bit to kind of start kind of putting these things together a little bit, you know? I wouldn't be surprised. God, I wanted to shake Half-Life when he was doing that. Like, well, we're just wanderers and we're so innocent. I just, I wanted to shake him. I like, I know what he's doing, but it's like, come on, man. Did either of you listen yeah, to the audiobook? And I did not. Oh. He is the most toady character. Like he had, he has this very like toady and snivelly voice, and he's just like, "Oh, great counselors, thank you for aiding us." And I'm just like laughing because they're the the. The local government guy who's in charge that, you know, kidnaps his uh, overseer person and throws her in an office for four days. Um, He is just so full of himself, Mm -hmm. but he's great because he's full of himself with a very thick country accent. So he's all like, yeah, we are better than you. And I swear we're going to protect you and get these IX mines. All right. And Half-Leaf's just like, oh, thank you. We're so weak. And then he goes back to Shrimp Kips. He was just like, hi, they bought it. The audio is great. I, always- <laughs> um, I need you to read this book for me. This is the only audio I will accept now. For oh, here, Mark Thompson's you, me- very talented, but I don't think he can't hold Mark Thompson. Who it's all hope now. <laughs> it's all hope. See. We need Del Rey. Higher hope, please. This is fantastic. <laughs> Oh, it's not so a voice funny. actor. Yeah, we'll get me drunk and I'll be more than happy to recap books. We'll see how far that goes. Uh, hey, you know what? I've still I've still got the petition going for Star Wars Celebration. We all get tipsy and try to talk about the Chiss and try to pronounce all the names. I think that would be because it'd be kind of like drunk history, no, no, but no, no. for Star get tipsy Wars. And try to draw a family tree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we need to start that. I'm all for drunk history, but for Star Wars, oh. I could I could do that. Okay, talking about the families, why is Tharfian in charge of everything? Like, is there no other competent family members in in the Myth family? Do you want another family member whose name we can't remember to come up, though? Anybody but him. He makes me so angry. (laughs) Tharfian just makes me see red. Just because he's such a little snake. I I, I just like him very much. He he reminds me of like if the counselor guy is like your local official, like he is like the dude that's in the house, like the House of Representative or the Senate's just being all trashy and they like bought their way in and like they only got in like on certain votes, but then like only when they're campaigning they seem great, but when it comes to actual votes, they're like, No, downward thumb with my little cutesy rings and bags. They're in America, you know who I'm talking about. Um but- like, uh, yeah, I mean, he is <laughs> <laughs> like he uh, he is that snake kind of high official person who will tell you nice things. To you. Like like when he's listening to his two underlings and they're like arguing about fish and we're inside his head just going, I don't care about fish, but I'm doing this for me. You know, like I just uh, uh, hate him. Mm-hmm. I love hating him. He's my favorite. He's I like he's. he's- no, he's like all the politicians you've ever disliked, which is like all of them. But um, 
it just all rolled into one and it makes him and he's made even more dangerous by the fact that like he is chiss and they're very calculating analytical like he's got a plan and it ended with him being made patriarch of the myth family and i'm like oh my god this is i just i as i was sitting there reading that i'm like oh this is not gonna go well at all like i knew it wasn't gonna go well but it just got made worse I'm really curious about this end, though, because... But we live for drama, don't we? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes! I'm, I'm curious about this, like, the very last page, and again, sorry if you've listened this far, we spoiled a lot for you, but hey, more spoilers. The very last paragraph is him getting ready to move, and this guy, this new guy named Civic, who knows, I don't know, it's just another the name, um, he's like, I'm going to tell you the ancient history of the myth, the true history so long suppressed, and then I will tell you of a terrible alien weapon known as Starflash. And I that the fact that there's possibly that Thurfriend's about to have access to an alien great super weapon, but it's it might be well, it actually doesn't say it's ancient. It just says a terrible alien weapon. So this might be something that they already have, or it could be part of this ancient history of the myth that they've had for a while. I have a lot of questions about that last paragraph because either it's about to blow up in Thurfren's face, or he's about to blow up people like Zamaltsu or something. I don't know. Yes, I have so many questions, no answers. I need book three. Thank God we're not waiting another year for it because I had the exact same thoughts. Because I'm like, oh my God, they're giving <laughs> they're giving him a, an explosive toy. This is going to not go well. I mean, at least we get the whole trilogy in 14 months. I can't. I can't think of any other time that's happened. Yeah. Can, yeah. can I ask? Can I ask you a question, Arzu? Yeah. What's your Thrawn story? You asked us. What's yours? Okay, so. I didn't know, I I knew of Thrawn, but as I quite famously, at least for me, stated on Twitter on Thrawn Day, um, until Star Wars Rebels, I thought Thrawn was the guy with the long white beard on the Heir to the Empire cover. Uh, I didn't realize he was the blue one, who was like tiny and in the corner and the least significant part of that cover. Um, So until Rebels, I didn't really know who Thrawn was. I'd heard of him in the context of like the Thrawn trilogy and in the context of like Mara Jade and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then saw Rebels. And then I started to do the whole I'm going to read all the canon book. So that, that was the first time I really got to know Thrawn was was the 2017 book. And I was working an office job at the time that fortunately was very flexible and let me listen to audiobooks at my desk. So that was my first exposure to Thrawn was the Thrawn 2017 audiobook. Because I had the I had the novel at home, so I'd read it before bed and then I'd pick up wherever I left off audio-wise at work. So it was like alternating back and forth. And then yeah, I just read that and Alliances, which I loved. And then I was waiting for Treason to come out on paperback. I'm like, that's fine. And then I was going to wait for the Ascendancy one to come on paperback before I read it. And then Hannah's excitement was so infectious, I went and bought the hardcover on day one. So <laughs> so that's my Thrawn story. Nice. I was just curious because we told ours and I was like, huh. <laughs> what is no, yeah. um, do, you, do you believe that he is more um, hangout for one steamy evening kind of guy or like blue husbando kind of guy or both? Get a man who can do both. Steamy evening. Yeah, he talks. He's much. a steamy evening kind of guy. He's the kind of guy that I, mean, t- I talk a lot too, but I just I'll take you to a museum and you're just like, I need to be in bed with you before 1 a.m. Can we get this moving on? But he'd be like, but the buttons on this, the buttons, hope. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. <laughs> but the art, consider the artwork. It would be one of the most educational evenings of my life, but also, dear God. <laughs> you know what Thrawn, you know who Thrawn is? Thrawn is like the. 
is like when you're in college and you have to take an art selective. So you take an art history class and he's the like really sexy professor that you like have a one night stand with. That's Thrawn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, can't argue with that one. Can can I ask uh, to the Plus, group? like a different a different blue man has stolen my heart altogether. So can I ask the group? Um, since we I'm we've all read like the Imperial Trio novels, and now we're two into this one. Which trio do you like better, or do you find them even, and why? Um, I find them even just because I really liked Chaos Rising, and I really liked Alliances, and then the rest kind of fall in the in the middle for me. So like they both have like the high highs and then the kind of that was okay. So so they're about evenly matched for me. Except I will say that I did appreciate the Imperial Trio for its familiarity because it was situated within a, a system I understand and it had characters I know already. And I, I appreciated that if Zahn's not going to describe things to me, at least my brain can fill in the blanks. But I have a harder time with that with this trilogy. If you don't know who Arinda Prize is, you can Google yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, just look up some fan art. It's great. No, I think if I had to pick between the two of them I'm a little bit more attached to the Imperial trilogy just because um again it was kind of my gateway back into Thrawn as a character and introducing again it was reintroducing the character to me in a way that was in a familiar setting kind of like Arzu said within the Imperials but also bringing in characters like Eli Vanto like Ronan kind of these new these new players on the board that still that weren't completely jarring kind of like how this particular trilogy has been just with all the names and stuff like that. And I know we've already talked about that ad nauseum, but again, I think the Imperial one just kind of gave me a little bit more of like a comfort and sense of familiarity. Not that I don't enjoy like being challenged and, and have new ideas presented to me through my books, but at the same time, especially with a character like Thrawn, who's already so complicated enough, having that kind of sense of, again, familiarity was something that I was easily able to get myself lost in um, while I was reading. How about you, Hope? Um, I think for me, I, I agree. Like, as much as I am a firmly, firm, totally believe that Thrawn Treason is a piece of hot garbage that never should have been made, it's a trash book, no one cared what Thrawn did in the four days he wasn't in Rebels, no one cared. Um, the other two books are so strong. And I totally understand that a lot of the things I love about the Imperial Trilogy are just personal me things, while a lot of the things I don't like about the Ascendancy books are personal me things. And that's fine. But I, I think Thrawn 2017 is one of the best books written in canon. It's up there for me with Lost Stars and Light of the Jedi and Into the Dark. Like it's one of it's just so well written. And it's it's such an interesting look, um, especially early on in the canon, like seeing the Empire from the inside. It pairs so well with um, Lost Stars because we get to see Lost Stars from the point of view of human Imperials. And then we get to see the point of the classism and the speciesism with Thrawn and Eli. And we get to see that side of the Empire and how it affects them. And Orinda's backstory is one of the best backstories ever made. He made Ryder Azadi a politician who put Arinda on her path of villainy. And it really like changed how I viewed Ryder Azadi. Um, and I, cause now I watch Rebels and I'm like, you imprisoned her mo mother wrongfully because you're a politician. And now here you're fighting with Ezra Bridger. Like it, it changed a lot of how I felt about Rebels. Um, and then I love Alliances. It's my canonized crack thick where Thrawn ran around in a crop top for 200 pages and it was great. I love that book. Um, 
It, but <laughs> so a lot of, and it's just, it's so many of my favorite things. Like I love bitchy mean girl Imperials. I love watching Tarkin and Krennic just being like, well, he has his Death Star. It was mine first. And Thrawn in the background going, I just want to go back to work. Can I go back to work now? Like this is just stuff that I personally like in my Star Wars. So it's, it's not a knock on the Ascendancy books because they're great in a different way. But it does feel more sci-fi than space opera and space fantasy, which is what I feel like the other two do so well. And that's what we love about Star Wars is that it's a, actually a space fantasy. To quote Pablo Hidalgo, if you want uh, science in your Star Wars, watch Star Trek. And I feel like what that's what these Ascendancy books are. Mm-hmm. I, ve- I very much agree with that sentiment. Yeah, very much. Seconded. God, I love Thrawn <laughs> Alliances. <laughs> <laughs> that book is so good. <laughs> a bunch of bugs pretty much just crap on top of Vader and he gets stuck in their goo and he's like, huh, this is my life now. And then in the meantime, Anakin's just like, I'm gonna walk this deck guy across the field, and Thrawn's like, This is so stupid. It has to be our plan. And Padme's getting shit done in the background. I love that book. <laughs> I loved reading your article on it. I I have such yeah. a greater appreciation for that book now because uh, you guys keep saying it's your favorite. Honestly, it's my least favorite of the books. But after reading your article, I'm like, okay, I have to I have to go back and reappreciate this because I think that was I, why I disliked it. Was it was just so ridiculous? Well, that's that's can I say, actually Hannah, if you have the opportunity because this I, I did the audiobook for this too, and <sighs> Anakin is such a delightful himbo. <laughs> He's like basically borderline surfer dude. It's just, it's glorious. And I got, I love that. Okay, so dear listener, if you don't know what we're talking about, here's the thing. Thrawn Alliances, you need to read it like a crack fan fiction and a comedy. Do not take it seriously. And I think that's what I like about it so much is it taught me to, to really not take Star Wars so seriously. And I think that's kind of where I started appreciating the second book so much because there are parts in the second book which are just kind of dumb and that's fine. Um, but I think that's like, it showed me that like you could have these villain characters having fun in stupid, dumb ways. Like, Rook and Keeman are doing Monty Python sketches, and it's hilarious! <laughs> and I like that, that sometimes it's fun to, like, watch the villains have bugs just shit on them, or crap on them. And you get to watch them just get stuck in bug crap, and Vader's just sitting there and just being a sad face about it. And it's funny, and I, I think we we get caught up in taking Star Wars so serious so often that we can't enjoy the absurdity. Let Star Wars be weird. You know, let us have fun. It's a galaxy far, far away, and sometimes you're going to have Anakin Skywalker um, be angry in a jail cell while Thrawn rips open his shirt in the next jail cell over and runs around with his blue nips out for the rest of the book. It's fun. I love it. Sorry. <laughs> but the image just, I love it. Makes me happy. So, was there anything else either of the two of you want to add about Thrawn or about this book? Or, I mean, I know we could go on and on and on, but final thoughts. I want to hear what everybody thinks book three predictions are going to be. Like, just very broad strokes, obviously, just based off of everything that we know and where we're going. Hope, do you want to start with that? Oh, gosh, I haven't even thought about this yet. Um, it To me, it will depend on when it's set. If it's set going up until 
Thrawn 2017 when Thrawn's in exile, then I really think we're going to see the truth come out because so much of the final chapters of this book was them going, hey, the entire like aristocrat like swept all this under the rug, but somewhere the truth's going to come out and it's going to come back to Bythron. Yeah, he volunteers for exile, but it's also a thing where, you know, he probably, Thurfin was like, yes, get out of my hair. So I, I think we're going to see the truth come out and it's going to be great. But yeah, I think that's where we're heading and we're going to see this civil war just spill out and it's going to be probably emotional and if Thras doesn't come back I am throwing hands and writing a very respectful letter to Delray. Hannah how about you? Okay so I know we know that we're probably going to butt right up against Thrawn's exile so that's kind of already a given for me but I have really sad thoughts like all of my thoughts are somebody's going to die and like my thought is like it's a Skywalker it cannot be cheery because I would cry so hard. I think like you said like sometimes we don't see Thrawn losing and for him to voluntarily go into exile my thought is he's, he lost hard. Like something really really bad happened. Whatever it is I do not know. I'm really hoping it's not sad but I'm also running on the theory of and I've had this theory since the series was announced that Thrawn was coming back and putting it out into every space that I can just to make it true <laughs> please. But my my big theory is these three books are Thrawn telling his story to Ezra, and this is going to lead <gasps> right into post-Rebels pre-Ahsoka. Whoa! <laughs> oh, I would love that. And it ends with Thrawn asking Ezra for help. Like, hey, this is what has happened to my home. Will you help us? I love that. Oh, I've had this theory for like two years now. Like, I want it to oh. be true so bad. I, I wanted to add one more thing that I just remembered. Um... I would love to see the bombshell of 2017 Thrawn explained Um, because probably the biggest bombshell of that book is Thrawn looks at Night Swan and says, by the way, I'm here either to make the Empire a better ally for the Chiss or to destroy them from the inside. And that always stuck with me for the last, like, this is our sixth Thrawn book now. Mm. And, you know, if he was always, again, that book made me rethink Rebels of like, Every time is he losing in Rebels, is that him actually doing it on purpose? And that really shaped the character of saying, like, this actually might not be a villain. This might just be somebody that ha- happens to be working for the Empire. And I would like to see that set up where it's the mm-hmm. ascendancy going, you need to destroy these people from the inside or make them better. And having Thrawn making that choice, because um, that was such a huge bombshell of that book. And it has not been touched since. Oh, yeah. What do you think, yeah. Arzu? What do you think? There's a motivation besides just the mustache twirling. Ooh. Yeah. I think book three is, I agree with Hannah. I think it's going to bump right up against 2017 Thrawn. I think just in terms of structure, I think the memories that we get are going to be a little bit, I don't know if this is a thought or a hope. It's going to be a little bit out of the box. Either it's going to be a jump ahead or there'll be like, Eli's memories and then we'll kind of coincide with that when we get to the end what I want which I don't think we'll get but I'm gonna express this wish anyway put it out there in the universe is okay so we know that the the little pilots are called skywalkers we obviously have a very famous skywalker I would like to know where this overlap comes from and I don't think we'll get it in the next book because it's not a priority but if I don't manifest it it'll never happen so <laughs> it's just a way for yeah, Ron to troll him I'd, I know really but like nothing funny. nothing in this universe happens by accident I know but it's so I I would like that to be the one thing that is by accident 
<laughs> and Thrawn's just like, I could use this for 300 pages. <laughs> and two Skywalker, what was that? <laughs> Nothing, my lord. <laughs> I would love it if there was no garlic. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe that's where the connection comes in. Like maybe, gosh, I'm going to say something. And I'm going to immediately regret saying it. Free for some, like, has an, the Chiss have some access to the world between worlds? I doubt it. I really doubt it. But, I mean, maybe they have found out about, like, Chiss of the past have found out about Skywalkers of the future. Please don't make it so. I regret these words already. <laughs> when you say it, you're like, wait, no, I unsay it. I hate that I say these things, but maybe oh, I mean, stupider things have happened in Star Wars. I like how we're sitting here going, these books are so removed from the rest of the story. And we're like, but how does it, let's tie it. Actually, this is mostly me trying to tie it back in. Like, let's tie it into everything else. Like, how does this tie to the High Republic? How does this tie to the Skywalkers? And both of you are like, but the Chiss. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's tie the Chiss into everything else. <laughs> they're just they're <laughs> the neighborhood next door, you know? Like, we're just like the, ne- like the, the neighborhood with all like the good Halloween candy. And then we're going to... And go back to our crappy imperial halloween candy that they give out and they give out the bite-sized bars while the chat just have i promise i'm not high <laughs> they just have like the full bar candy bars we're just the next neighborhood <laughs> over no but that it's that totally tracks they're the fancy neighborhood that speaks french and italian yeah <laughs> it totally tracks <laughs> So, all right. So thank you both so, so much for talking this out with me. I think it would have been a much, a much less amusing conversation with me, me trying to process this by myself. So thank you both so, so much for joining me. Um, so Hannah, where can people find you online? So you can find me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm more active on Twitter if you want to hear all of my Thrawn thoughts. And you can find me at Beskar underscore Kyber15. And my Instagram is the same as well. Also, one of the co-hosts on Followers of the Force podcast, you can catch our new episodes every Monday at 11. And then we have a happy hour every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'd love to see you guys there. How about you? Um, you can find me at Guys and Jedi. Um, we are a Star Wars animation podcast, though uh, we've done all of Clone Wars and Rebels. We're um, about halfway through Resistance right now. We're looking at Freemakers or Bad Batch next. We're going to, depending on how long the Bad Batch goes on, we'll debate which one we do next, but probably Freemakers. Um, and I also have an animation podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where I force my co-podcaster Chris to watch my favorite animated shows and we just finished up Gravity Falls or in the process of finishing it and we're about to start Avatar The Last Airbender which he's going to watch for the very first time and I'm very excited for him because it definitely has Clone Wars roots with Dave Filoni and Justin Ridge working on Avatar before they did Star Wars so we're very excited about that. I I have a website called Geeky Girl Experience where I also write reviews and that's where I wrote about Thrawn ripping his open his shirt for 200 pages so you can see that over there. (laughs) Are the nips out? Are they cold? I need to know these things. That was how I knew that that book was written by a man because he didn't tell me how shirtless Thrawn was and I was mad in my car and screaming at my radio. So mad. You you said are there nips? I heard are there myths? I'm like I feel like the myths are the crux of this entire book. <laughs> I did mute myself. I was I was howling in laughter. <laughs> just like, but that's the whole point. Just, and then I'm like, no, that's not what she's talking about. I need to know. I need to know these things. <laughs> this isn't Tumblr where we censor like female nips. These are male nips. They're out and about in in the wild. Give me my chest nips. <sighs> <sighs> So mad at that book. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for listening to Space Waffles.
Oh, let me pull myself together. Okay. Okay. As for me, let me do this super, super professionally and not sobbing with laughter. Okay. You can find me uh, personally on Twitter at Arzomine and at rzt2.com. And you can find the Geeky Waffle Network at geeky underscore waffle on Twitter at thegeekywaffle.com. We are also on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. It's just the it's just geeky waffle i believe possibly the geeky waffle i think it's geeky waffle we are also on patreon patreon.com forward slash geeky waffle where we are finally i promise going to do our waffles after dark i know we keep saying it but i genuinely promise it's going to happen oh i'm so so excited about that thank you all so much for listening we hope you had a fantastic star wars month (laughs) and may the waffles be with you